Welcome to Nairobi Chapel and Bakasi. We grow deep to reach wide. And today we move into the topic of saving. And we pray that we'll be able to learn something from this. So the first thing we look at is just uh, some statistics as usual. Um, there's what we call GDP, which is just a measure of our productivity as a country. So it looks at the goods and services that we produce in a certain year. So we want to look at the saving rates of our country in comparison to GDP. So in sub-Saharan Africa, where we are as Kenya, the saving rates are low. We're talking about 17% of GDP is what we save. Kenya on itself is actually lower. We're at around 12% uh, of GDP. This is a report that was done by IMF. So that's, that goes to show that in the region, we're not doing well, but even as a country, we're doing even far worse than our contemporaries. If you remember, uh, last year we looked at giving and we seemed to do well compared uh, with other nations. But when it comes to saving, it seems we're not doing well. And in week one, even in terms of debt, we seemed not to be doing well. So the, the reasons why we as Kenyans don't save more, there are a number of reasons. The first one, someone would say I don't earn enough, so probably my income is low. And we, at times we find ourselves in that point whereby we even promise God, ukaniongezea 20%. I'll, I'll go the extra mile, you know. Uh, then there's a rising cost of living. This is a reality. Just last week we saw the pump prices going up very high, very high. And, uh, and during the week I saw uh, an email from, was it one of these cab hailing firms saying that they are adjusting up their prices. So things are actually spiraling out of control whereby the cost of living is moving up. So people are finding it hard to save. Then these uh, job losses. And we saw that especially in the last one year people have lost their sources of income. The other thing about our economy is that our economy is driven by consumption. We earn to spend. We earn to spend. So we try and see what will remain after that so that we can save. Then the other reason is because we have increased access to credit. We saw that in week one, all those apps, we can go in right now. You know, I normally receive messages telling me you have qualified for this amount. You've qualified for this amount. And I remember comparing notes with my friend, and I, I really felt bad because they, the message they got from the same company, they, they are qualifying for a larger amount than me. So I'm wondering, what's wrong with me? <laughs> Why is it that my amount is smaller? <laughs> but anyway, now you can actually just get credit at any time, even right now as, as the service is going on. And so that has led us to not being able to save because we can access money from anywhere. And as we saw, it becomes a vicious cycle. So if we can summarize all this in one sentence, we say that Kenya is a credit-fueled economy with a youthful population that likes to spend and has included wastage into a way of life. Hmm? Kenya is a credit-fueled economy with a youthful population that likes to spend and has included wastage into a way of life. One of the directors of our, our local banks, and you know, uh, banks, uh, they offer us these credits we're talking about. But when I read this, I was like, this director must be a parent because 
he's speaking more as a parent than as a bank director because he said that one of the population segments that is adversely affected by the poor savings culture is the young working class. These are young Kenyans in their first or second jobs. They are keen to make their way up the middle class and achieve financial freedom, but frequently make poor financial decisions such as taking, taking unnecessary car loans. And this limits their ability to save, to invest, and to prosper. He goes on to say that savings provides a soft landing in times of financial shock. The last one here, I think, has been a financial shock to many of us. Uh, so these shocks are like a job loss, allowing one to clear their debts and on time and still get by. A young professional with dreams of achieving financial freedom needs to minimize the possibility of defaulting on loans, as this could negatively impact their credit ratings and limit their access to a loan in future when they really need it, for instance, when starting a business. So you can see the concern that is there even with the people who their business is thriving because of our hunger for these uh, loans and this credit, credit that is available. And a study was done in 2019 which says that in the last decade, borrowing rate of Kenya is at its highest and savings rate of Kenya is at its lowest. So we seem to be moving in an opposite direction. And many a times we, we, tr we, we, we point fingers at the government because we're saying this government is constantly borrowing, constantly borrowing. But isn't that just a reflection of who we are as a society that is being displayed there on a national scale? So it's something that we need to deal with on an individual basis. We start from the unit of self to family and that will it will be a ripple effect and it will be transmitted even to the greater society and the nation. And uh, talking of nations, uh, there are nations that are actually doing well. Uh, there are nations that have what we call a sovereign wealth fund. I know it's new to us because we do not have it. Yeah? <laughs> so basically, a sovereign wealth fund comprises of pools of money that are derived from a country's reserves and they are set aside for investment to benefit the country's economy and its citizens. Imagine that, a country doing that. Uh, some years ago, Qatar, which is one of the countries that has this fund, underwent what we call an embargo, which would shake their nation. But they were able to draw from their fund to stabilize their economy, and they were able just to move on well. Uh, Norwegian Wealth Fund, their fund, the fund for Norway is at a trillion US dollars. One trillion US dollars. And if they break it down to each Norwegian, each Norwegian has $187,000. Basically meaning around 20 million for each citizen. In Kenya we are told we are, when we are born, we are born owing. <laughs> so there are nations that actually have gone ahead and set aside funds for difficult times. And these nations actually seem to do uh, very well. And so this low savings we've talked about that we have in this country, it is not a lack of income because we've seen one of the reasons people give it's because of a lack of income or a low income. But the, it's often a result of the way people think. 
remember last week we said we have to shift our mindset. So it's something that has to do with how we perceive. It's not, we, we, we've, we've not been brought up in a savings culture. There are other nations that are brought up in a savings culture. So it's something that has to happen in our minds first. It's not just about my income. Because guess what? If with 100 shillings I'm not able to save, with a million shillings I will not be able to save. It's not the amount. Uh, so in 2015, there was a survey that was done just to illustrate this point about it not really being about the income. So th there were two experiments that were carried out. The first one uh, was an experiment that was carried out in poor households that, that needed uh, preventive health products such as the treated mosquito nets. So what, they, what they, the result yielded was if you provide these people with lockable metal boxes for them to save or a dedicated savings account for emergencies, they were able to buy these products 75% more. And notice, there's nothing that has happened to their income. Their income has not been increased. It's only that they were able to put aside money to save. And it increased their ability to purchase these products by 75%. The second example, still from uh, rural Kenya, was uh, on farmers who each time they went to apply fertilizer when as, as they do their farming, they were not able to afford the fertilizer. And of, uh, of course, it affected their productivity. So what they did is, uh, you know it's a cycle. There's planting and then there's harvest. So when there's harvest, farmers normally have money. So what they did is, when it's harvest time, farmers were urged to pre-purchase the fertilizer that they'll need next season. And what they discovered is that the farmers were able to utilize a lot more fertilizer just by doing that than if the fertilizer, the price of the fertilizer was reduced by 50%. So it's nothing to do with the income they had. Even it's nothing to do with the price of the fertilizer. But when they were given an option to set money aside, they were able to meet their goals. So this, I think the point being driven here is at times we hide behind income whereby we say maybe I don't earn enough. And we, when I get to this threshold is when I will start giving. But if we're not faithful in the little that we have at this point, there's no way we'll be faithful in the much that we're given. We, as I said, we point fingers at our leaders. But probably if we, were we were put in that positions and given those same resources, probably we'll even be worse. We need to start with us in where we are. So our reading today comes from Genesis uh, chapter 41. A bit of a, a long passage, but we'll be able just to skim through it quickly. It's a story that we've all heard before. Uh, of This man called Joseph, who was sold into slavery in Egypt. But at this point, when he was in jail, uh, Pharaoh had a dream and needed someone to interpret it. And someone who was in jail with Joseph remembered and said, there's a guy who can interpret this dream. So Joseph is brought before Pharaoh. So Genesis chapter 41 from verse 14, and I read uh, from NIV, which says, So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can in interpret it, but I have heard it said of you, when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. 
I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream I was standing on the bank of the Nile, when out of the river came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. After them seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean. I had never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. The lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows that came up fast. But even after they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They looked just as ugly as before. Then I woke up. In my dream, I saw seven heads of grain, full and good, growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin, scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told this to the magicians, but none of them could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh he, what he is about to do. The seven good cows and seven year, are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. So verse 28, it is just as I say to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will, will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered, because the famine that follows, that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it soon. And now, let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by famine. Verse 37. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Verse 41, so Pharaoh said to Joseph, I will hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He made him ride in a chariot as his second in command. And people shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole, of the whole land of Egypt. Verse 49, uh, we are told, uh, just, I've just jumped some verses. So I told that Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain, like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. Verse 53. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. 
when the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians. For the famine was severe throughout Egypt, and all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. So it's, it's very interesting. He, he woke up as a, as a prisoner and ended up as the second most powerful uh, person in the land. But you can see the wisdom that uh, God gave Joseph to pass on to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh, thankfully, was obedient to that. And we can see that when famine ravaged the land, Egypt was safe. Egypt was secure. Why? Because they had followed the instruction of the Lord. Because they had set aside, they had saved when they had an income in terms of harvest. So when the seven years of famine came, they still had abundance. Verse 49 says that when, when Joseph started storing up these quantities, it was so much, he even stopped keeping records. Imagine. He even stopped keeping records. It was so much. And we are told that this food not only went to serve the Egyptians, but even the nations around Egypt. So Joseph saved, we are told, a fifth, 20% of the harvested grain and was able to save, as we said, not only Egypt, but also the surrounding nations as well. This goes hand in hand in even what we were, told, we were talking about last week in terms of giving and the areas where God is calling us to give. If you're, in, if you're in a situation whereby you're able to help others, God is calling you to do that. The funny thing is, when you look at the seven years of plenty, it did not just apply to Egypt. All these other nations experienced seven years of plenty. No one was shortchanged. Everyone experienced seven years of plenty. But the only difference is Egypt denied of themselves during the seven years of plenty. These other nations probably were, like as we said earlier, uh, fueled by consumption. Harvest, eat everything. Distribute everything, eat everything. Kesho tutajua vile kutaenda. But for Egypt, they were able to deny of themselves 20% of what they were getting because a time was coming when they would need this. So for, for, for Egypt, denying of self was a choice. But for these other nations, denying of self became an eventuality. Inevitable for them. It was not a choice. So let, let, let your money be in your control. Let it not be the other way around, whereby it is the one controlling you. If you have something you're earning at this moment in time, be faithful with that small thing. Probably this 20% for, for Egypt, when it started off, looked small, but you're told it go to a place, even keeping records was a problem. Even keeping records was a problem. So it's important for us to start saving now. In fact, they say the best time to start saving is yesterday. The second best time is now, is today. And you know what it will do? When you get to January, you'll not be calling your friends fake friends. Yeah? <laughs> In January, you'll not be calling people fake friends. <laughs> so those who save more become wealthier because of foregoing consumption today. 
you, something has to give. Either you deny of yourself today, or in the future you will just definitely have to deny of yourself because you will not have anything. So, the, I looked at three things that we need to save for, which are crucial. Because at times when you save without a goal, you, you end up uh, losing track. So it's important to have a goal in terms of what are, what are you saving for. And there are three things that we definitely have to put in place as we, are save, as we are saving in terms of our goal. So the first one is we have to save for retirement. We have to save for retirement. And I know uh, the world is dynamic nowadays. We are moving into uh, jobs and into doing things that are not... Uh, what we knew, we knew as 8 to 5 or the conservative jobs. And so someone can say, what I do, I can do even when I'm 90. But is that a guarantee? That is not a guarantee at all. Uh, actually, in the Bible, the Levites, in Numbers 8.25, says that, but at the age of 50, they must retire from performing the work and no longer serve. So even in the Bible, the Levites, as they were serving, they were told when they go to a certain age, they had to retire. They needed to retire. So, you'll get older at some point. Uh, if it's seeking employment, guess what? Employers, when they see you're past a certain age, you're not employable to them. So, it will be very hard to get a job. We've mentioned, we've mentioned innovation coming in. Uh, there is what we call the Fortune 500 top 10 companies, where they just highlight the top 10 uh, companies every year by total revenue. So, the top 10 companies in the year 2000, only three of them are in the current list. Only three of them. This is two decades later. And it's not because they made wrong choices, they made wrong decisions. It's just the times are changing and people are moving to other things that are the main focus. Maybe, maybe two decades ago, oil companies were the big deal. Right now we're talking of tech companies being the big deal. We don't know 20 years from now what will happen. So innovation happens. You might think you may, you'll still be the king, but you'll be overtaken. So it's good to have, to bear that in mind, that we need to plan for the uncertain future. The other thing uh, we've seen, research has been done, and it shows that people are generally living longer now than years back. So maybe it's uh, eating healthy, maybe is quality of healthcare has gone up and accessibility and so on. So you'll find, and uh, I work in the retirement benefits sector, and it's very common to find someone who has lived longer in their retirement than the years they worked. So you probably you started working at 25, you retired at 55, you've worked for 30 years. Then you are age 90. It means you've lived longer in retirement, than the your working years. And you see, the way we normally receive our salary, a few days later, we say, the whole month. Imagine when you're 90, that salary you earned at 55 is what is meant to still maintain you. If it's not able to take you through a month, how will it take you over 30 years? So we need to start planning for that time we will not have an income. Using whatever small income we have today, we need to start setting aside money because a time is coming that we'll not be able to generate as much income as we have now. In terms of 
health costs, do they go up or go down as you become older? They go up. And we know that they are very, very expensive. So the first one is retirement. Two, we should save for future generations. So it is not just enough to save for when I'm 90. I need to save for my children and my grandchildren. Proverbs 13.22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is passed to the righteous. So probably a number of us support our parents. Yeah? Uh, and we need it, it needs to begin with us, whereby we say that what we've seen or what we've experienced, we need to change the narrative going forward. Imagine your grandchildren have an inheritance from you and from your child. And them, they're already gathering a saving for the next two generations. Don't you think even as, a, as the world will be transformed just by that? Just by that, we'll be transformed. Instead of being born in debt, you're born in surplus. And this is something that is called upon in the Bible, that we should leave an inheritance, not just for our children, but for our children's children. Then the third one, and this one will resonate with us, especially with what we've seen the last one year. We need to save for uncertain times. We don't like uncertainty. We, al we always like to know what will happen. But if there's one thing about uncertain times, is that they will certainly happen at some point. They will certainly happen at some point. That one, you can be sure. So the only, the best thing we can do is to prepare for those uncertain times. We don't know the uncertainty. No one could predict 2020. I remember when 2020 began, we started with the whole new decade thing, and we were all excited. But a few weeks, a few months, things started going south, unfortunately. Those are uncertain times. And we don't know about 2021. We don't know about 2022. We don't know about 2025. But what we can do is anticipate and prepare for those times. So how can we prepare for these uncertain times? We can, take a, we can borrow a leaf, for, a leaf from Joseph and set up a reserve or an emergency fund. You know, uh, the people who uh, do high jump, what, what, do you know you'll, what do you know you'll land on when you get to the other side? What is there when you land, when you get to the other side, when you're doing high jump? Not, 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 not long jump, high jump. Ma yes, a mattress or a cushion. So, you know you'll go up, but you'll know you'll come down. But at least you know that there's a mattress. There's something that will, that will make the landing bearable. Imagine if that mattress was not there. Would people enroll? Would people enroll for that spot? People would not enroll for that spot. Now imagine in life, we are saying that there's a fall that will happen. We just don't know at what point it will happen. So we'd rather just have that mattress there, that cushion there. If we don't end up using the cushion, well and good. But in case it is needed, let it be there. And that is exactly what we learned from Joseph and from Egypt. They had a soft landing. They had a cushion to protect them from these difficult times. 
So personal finance experts say that uh, one should have a savings between three to six months of their living expenses kept somewhere, which should shield one against any unexpected termination of an income. And you know, this was before 2020. After 2020, they even saying probably we'll, we'll need to, to, to have one year's living expenses. Because what 2020 showed us is three months might not be enough. Six months might not be enough. So probably we'd need even to have a buffer of about one year's living expenses. But as we said, when you create this fund, we call it an emergency fund, the hope is that you will never need to use it. But in case you need to, it will be there. In case you need to, it will be there. And these emergencies, we know them, they include losing a job, maybe a surprise medical expense, or a repair, home repair, or a vehicle repair. You know at times you get repairs, maybe in your house or your car, that are so super important, but they are so costly. And at times you'll end up maybe uh, patching things up that make the problem even worse. But if we had a fund somewhere, it's something that we can fix and our lives still move on. Verse 36, the one we've just read, says that food, the food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. So this reserve does not prevent the famine. It's not that it will prevent the famine. What it does is ensures that you're not ruined by the famine. This reserve will not prevent the famine, but it will ensure you're not ruined by the famine. And so, examples of ruin that come across, come to households when they face financial shocks, one is you struggle to make ends meet after the emergency because you've spent everything. You've spent everything, you've borrowed, you've gone into debt, so you end up in debt. The other one is if it's a surprise illness, one's health could deteriorate because you cannot afford the medical expenses or the health care. Or even just the whole, uh, the whole experience of taking care of a loved one or a sick person, it works on you mentally and you become unwell. Foreclosure can happen if you lose your job and you're unable to service, let's say, a loan that was servicing uh, probably a mortgage and so on. And also, last but not least, there's a lot of strife relationally that comes from uh, being uh, in a financial shock. So relationships do suffer. So what are practical things that we can do beginning today that can help us in our quest? Remember, it's a journey. It's not something that we'll achieve in the next one month or probably even one year. But the fact that we've begun, like Joseph, We'll get somewhere and uh, may God help us that we even won't be able to, to count how much or tabulate how much that we've accumulated. But remember it starts with myself today with whatever small thing I have. So the first thing we need to do is we need to set a monthly savings goal. You cannot move without a goal. You need to have a goal. If you do not have a goal, you know, you know at times you look at, you look at your, your bank balance 
and you wonder, were we paid or not? <laughs> were we paid or not? <laughs> so if you don't have a goal, that money will go somewhere. So it's good to have a goal. And we can take a, a lesson from the leopard. The leopard always has a goal. It never lets its prey out of sight. It, it's always patient and it always moves towards its goal. And it will never be dissuaded by any other thing that comes in front of it. If a leopard sees a gazelle, even if another gazelle passes in front, right in front of his face, it will not move. It will not be distracted because its eye is on a certain gazelle. Now imagine if it not, if it not, not have that goal. A gazelle passes, it will turn. Then another one passes, it will turn like this. So at the end of the day, it will have missed getting anything. But because it has a target locked, it's able to patiently plan and to be able to execute on its goal. So that's the first one. Have a monthly savings goal. Two, make a budget. And I, this is something I struggled with for the longest time. I used to say, ah, naipanga kichwa. But you know, hey, one thing we can learn from the elephant, the elephant never forgets. The elephant, it's, it's, it's memory, it's, it's, uh, that, that, that's the power of the elephant. It has a good memory and a good knowledge. And it uses that information to plan for its future. It's able to know, for instance, that if we're in a desert or in a dry land, it's able to know that there's a pool of water there. And that's where I'll be able to get water when I feel thirsty for my family. Or it knows this place, there is danger. So we need to uh, use another route to get to the other place. So it uses its memory for its future uh, benefit and it's able to plan for its future. But we are not elephants. We are not elephants. We forget. We forget. You will plan all those things in your head and they'll disappear. So what the elephant has, it has inbuilt memory as we need to have external memory. So you need to write down we need to write down our budget. We have to write it down. Unless it is written down, believe you me, there is nothing we are doing. Dave Ramsey says that a budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it all went. At times we wonder where the money has gone. <laughs> so that's the second one. The first one was a monthly savings goal. The second one was a budget. The third one is we have to cut spending and wastage. We have to cut spending and wastage. And one way we do this is to track all our expenses. Track all, all, all your expenses. As in literally, each day, whatever you spend, write it down somewhere. And there are apps. There are apps that can help you do this. So you might be spending something small every other day. It looks small. But when you look at the end of the month, cumulatively, you'll be shocked that we waste our money on so many things that are unnecessary, and they eat into what we might use in terms of our savings. I remember the first time I started tracking, I decided to uh, go back and uh, I'd not tracked, so I decided let me start with the last month because maybe I can look at my bank statement, Mpesa statement, I can start tracking, uh, looking back. So I'm looking, have you ever seen an Mpesa message like, who is this I sent money to? You don't even know that name. And like, what, what, what was I buying? <laughs> you know, so it's important to track. Every expense, you'll be shocked 
at the things uh, at times we waste money on or are the things that we can actually uh, make take measures. One of the things that happened to me when I started tracking is I started carrying uh, lunch to, the, to work because I realized, what? I work for lunch. <laughs> this money I work for is going to lunch. <laughs> so it can help. It can help. Just tracking down all uh, your expenses. Then the, the fourth thing is consider an, an alternative source of income. Consider an alternative source of income. So it can be a side hustle. But not everyone is an entrepreneur. I think we need to agree that. Not everyone <laughs> is an entrepreneur. We can all easily burn our fingers if we run there. But there are different things we can do. You can invest. If, if you have a friend who is an entrepreneur and you believe in what they do, you can invest in their business. Right? You can invest in their business. You can invest uh, in the money market, for instance. You can buy stocks. You can buy bonds. So that's a conversation we can have for another day. There are people who have what we call a passive income because they've done these investments. Not necessarily having a side hustle. But if you're able to have a side hustle, well and good, do it. This allows you to have an alternative source of income if your main something happens to your main uh, source of income. The fifth thing is uh, you can consider selling unused items of value. At times, you'll find we are hoarders. We have so much. We have so much uh, we are keeping. We have clothes we've not worn in one year, but we cannot just let them go. Probably, we used to fit in them, now we cannot fit in them. And we say, tarudi, tarudi, tarudi. <laughs> so, maybe we just need to let go. If you're not giving out, you can package them. We can have a garage sale. Kujo tufungulia apa. Utuuzie. Those things, uh, it can help you at least get something. Then uh, another important one is you need to set up an automatic check-off or a standing order. You know the way, for instance, for illustration purposes, if I earn, if I earn uh, 20,000 shillings, uh, do I get 20,000 shillings coming into my account every month? No. This is what goes to? Yeah, the taxman. I have never seen that money. Never since I started working. It does not hit my account, then it leaves. So, in the same way, when I plan for my budget and everything, I never factor in that amount that has gone to KRA. In the same way, if we have a standing order, a check-off, this money just comes, hits the account and goes off immediately. So, I'm able to use that money to save. Because if I tell myself, let me work on my expenses and everything, then whatever is remaining I save, I will end up not saving. So we can learn from the lion. The lion eats fast. So eat fast. When that money hits your account, let that money go into a savings for yourself, a savings account for yourself or an investment account. The lion always eats fast, ahead of the pack. It looks selfish, but it is of the benefit of the lion because the lion does not know its next meal, when it will come from. It's not called the king of the jungle for no reason. It's not the strongest, it's not the fastest animal, but it's the king of the jungle. So you can learn a lesson or two from the lion. Then uh, finally is, uh, I, urge, I normally urge people to open an investment account. You have your bank account, probably where, where your income comes in. 
but you can open an investment account. And this an example is a good example is a money market fund. It is it is liquid or it's almost like a current account because you can access your funds quite fast. But the beauty of it is that your money is earning money. It's not just lying in the bank account. I, I, I don't like the way people take uh, a lot of pride in how much balance I have in my bank account. Imagine that money is not working for you. Just open an investment account. You can be transferring a huge chunk of your salary there to be earning you money. If you need it, you can quickly get it back. And it works for you. So your money is also earning uh, from there. And, there. and there are quite a number of them in the market. Uh, of course, you need to do your proper research because before you, you do that. But this is something that can actually help you. And also just to start building that culture of savings. That culture of savings. And if you've been able to do this, at times, as, as the more you invest and the more you see how much you're earning, it actually gives you more more encouragement to invest even further because you are able to see tangible results. And I know probably you're here and you're wondering, I might not be having an income or maybe a regular income or an assured income. But there is a reason why you're hearing this today. There is a reason why God has allowed you to be in this space today. And I'm sure this information will come in handy at one point or another. Amen? Amen. Uh, finally, as I come to an end, I just want to remind us... Uh, something from the Bible. We all know the parable of the talents, right? Uh, and it's very interesting because this guy left uh, three of his servants and left them each uh, something to take our chungir. And I'm looking at the, the one who received the list. These others actually invested and got double returns. The one who got the list probably was like, ah, I don't earn enough. If only I was given uh, five talents like the other guy. If only. So what he did, he hid what he had been given. And he was very proud to give this one he was given back to the master. Probably he was thinking that, eh, I've not squandered this thing. This guy must be proud of me. I've not squandered it. But we are told in Matthew chapter 25, verse 26, his master replied, You wicked, lazy servant, you knew that I have harvested where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. 28, so take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more. And they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. So, he might have wallowed in pity, wondering why he was given the list. But the lesson here was, you're a what I've given you, you're, you're just a steward. What I've given you much or little, it's me who has given you this. What have you done with it? And as we can see, the person who was faithful was given more. The person who was faithful was given more. So may we take this as a lesson. Not so much focusing on our income, but let's focus on the attitude we have towards saving. Because once we shift our attitude and we become diligent in this, guess what? We'll have multiple sources of income. 
we will not even have to worry about that one income where we are saying it's very small, but we'll be able to have multiple sources of income and we'll be able to do well, especially when we are faced with uncertain times.